Loved ones, what's going on? I'm Bruce. I want to get some things off my chest. It's probably going to take two episodes, maybe three. I have a feeling, could be misguided, but I have a feeling that I'm going to lose a listener or two or a hundred after this. But I have an additional feeling, and again, could be misguided, an additional feeling that I might pick up a listener or two or a hundred after this. So back in the 1970s, the Saturday night TV lineup on CBS was like none other before or since. You didn't want to go out on Saturday nights because it was really before VCRs, never mind DVRs. And if you missed what was on, you missed it. First up was All in the Family, then the Mary Tyler Moore Show, followed by the Bob Newhart Show, and capped off by the Carol Burnett Show. It's amazing. I have a favorite Bob Newhart episode. He played a psychologist, and a client came in to see him because she was afraid of being buried alive in a box. She had never been buried alive in a box, was under no threat of being buried alive in a box, had no reason to believe she ever would, yet she was terrified of the possibility. And Dr. Hartley, that's Bob Newhart's character, he found her to be so ridiculous that he just got frustrated, and he looked at her and said, I've got two words, stop it. And for the next two episodes of A Bigger Story, maybe three, I have the same two words, stop it. And if we could get some people to stop it, it could open us all up to a bigger story. So here's the clip. Here's the audio from that Bob Newhart episode. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. (laughs) I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. I said it might take me two or even three episodes to get everything I want off my chest, off my chest. In this episode, I want to say, stop it to conservative evangelical Christians who are angry all the time. And don't worry, progressive Christians suffer from the same disease very often, but this one, this episode's for the angry conservative evangelical Christians. And one more thing, because I do get mail, email, and if you consider yourself a conservative evangelical Christian, and you're not angry, and you're not judgy, and you're inclusive of people, and loving, that's awesome. Thank God for you. And don't prove me right by getting angry about what I'm going to say in the rest of this episode. A day before recording this episode, the power grid for all of Moore County, North Carolina, east of Charlotte, and some other surrounding areas got taken out. Turns out someone or someones shot high-powered rifle rounds into two substations. As a result, over 35,000 people are without power even as I'm speaking into this microphone and recording a day later. And it's cold in North Carolina. They get winter there. There are people 
who are on dialysis or other electrically powered medical devices that depend on those things that are without power. It's not been at all warm in North Carolina the last few days. The hospital there that serves a 15-county region is without power. No one's sure how long it will take to get it back, and it's going to cost millions and millions of dollars that could have been spent on other things. Now, play along with me for a minute. Suppose that I have been vocally opposing and leading protests over an event about to occur in my area. I've been super vocal. I even recruit the Proud Boys to come protest with me. And then suppose, just as this event is about to take place, the power goes out all over the place, and including at the event venue where this event was about to happen. Coincidence, right? But suppose not only was I vocally protesting this event and working hard to get others to join me in my protest, and right around the time the event's supposed to go, the substations get shot out and the power goes out. Still a coincidence, right? But then I get on social media and I post this. The power is out in Moore County, and I know why. Now, maybe I don't really know why, and I'm just spouting off because I'm a social media troll and I'm attention-starved and it's what I do. But then I follow it up with another post with a picture of the place where the event I was angry about was supposed to happen. And along with the picture, I post these words, God will not be mocked. I like the way I said that. I think I have an acting future. So right before this event I was protesting is about to happen, the power goes out because these substations have been shot up. And I post, I know why this happened, and I'm connecting it to this event I've been protesting, and I'm saying God will not be mocked. If I did that, do you think it would be reasonable and actually responsible for law enforcement to pay me a visit? You know, something along the lines of, hey, you know, you claim to know why these power substations were shot up and 35,000 people have no power and you've connected it to this event that you've been very public about protesting, right? I think you put your arm around my shoulder and say, Bruce, even if you didn't shoot up the power stations, jumping on Twitter in the Book of Faces and claiming you know why it happened and connecting them to that event, that was not very bright. But let's say... I also have a pattern of what some might call erratic behavior, or at the very least, law-breaking behavior. Like, let's say that during the worst parts of the COVID pandemic, when state and local authorities closed public playgrounds for a while in my state, North Carolina, and I went about 100 yards from where I work and tore down all the yellow police tape surrounding a playground and made a big deal about it. So if I had done that too, now I think we could allow that with that kind of pattern of behavior. I at least deserve to have people looking at me sideways. I've said I know why the power is out for over 35,000 people. I've connected it to an event I was protesting, and I have a history of not being law-abiding if I think my opinion of right and wrong supersedes obeying the law. But wait, there's more. Let's say... I had been a United States Army Special Operations PSYOP officer. From the Army's own recruiting website, here's what a PSYOP officer does. 
As a psychological operations officer, you'll be a master of persuasion and influence and an expert in political trends, cultural trends, and attitudes of the people in your given area of operation. I actually used to do commercials for the Army. It's a true story. The Army, I don't think the Army meant that being a master of persuasion and influence meant crossing the street a few hundred yards from Fort Bragg, where I'm based, and yanking down the yellow police tape that local authorities had put up around a playground in the thick of the pandemic to protect children and their families. I don't think the Army even meant that I would be the one who would get to make that call. And it certainly didn't mean that the United States Army envisioned my given area of operation being a local playground. But because I know better than local government authorities and know better than my military superiors on my base, and because when I was sworn as a second lieutenant after OCS, I crossed my fingers at the part of the oath that said, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Had my fingers crossed. So I tore that police tape down, got charged, and then I got a letter of reprimand from my commanding officer. Reasonable, right? But wait, there's still more. Since I seem to have, and what's the English phrase I'm looking for? Oh yeah, authority issues? Those. Since I clearly have authority issues, even though I still had that pretty awesome career as a United States Army Special Operations PSYOP officer, I mean, how cool is that job? But that letter of reprimand was just too much for my fragile little white soul, so I quit? I'm telling you, this is a great story. I'm starting to think I could write a book after all. But let's keep the story going. After all that, and the power grid in my county being taken out, and me posting on social media that I know why it got taken out. And on social media, I connected it to this thing I was protesting. I then post that I've been paid a visit by the Moore County Sheriff's Office, the county where the power substations were shot up. And after they visit me, I write on Twitter, sorry they wasted their time. I told them that God works in mysterious ways, and God is responsible for the power outage. I used the opportunity to tell them about the immoral drag show. Oh, wait, did I not tell you the event this person was protesting with the Proud Boys and that they connected to the power outage was a drag show? Racers, start your engines and may the best drag queen win. At a local theater, because high heels and feather boas are so dangerous. That was the event in question. But back to this person's tweet. Sorry they wasted their time. I told them that God works in mysterious ways and God is responsible for the outage. I used the opportunity to tell them about the immoral drag show and the blasphemies screamed by its supporters. God is chastising Moore County. I thanked them, the sheriff and his deputies, for coming, and I wished them a good night. And look, since Twitter is never enough to satisfy my need for an adrenaline fix, I hop over to Facebook where someone has the temerity to ask me, and how about those who are on ventilators and those on dialysis and they die? Are you happy? Is this what God wants? Oh, goody. So I write back, I am not happy that innocent people could suffer, but chastisements always affect the good with the evil. The good news is the truly innocent will suffer temporarily. 
and the wicked will experience God's justice eternally. So if the power goes out on your ventilator, on your breathing machine, how long is temporary suffering in that instance? Just asking. And gosh, I'm out of breath. That is by far the best little bit of creative writing I have ever done. Except I didn't create it. It's all true. And my friend Chad Nance, a journalist and filmmaker in North Carolina where all this for real happened, just yesterday, as of the recording of this episode, yesterday being December 5th, 2022, my friend Chad is the one who compiled all the disparate sources to help us understand what's going on here. And this real-life person is former, resigned after getting reprimanded U.S. Army Special Operations PSYOP officer, Emily Grace Rainey. I won't even dishonor all my friends who are veterans by talking about what rank she ever obtained. And all this over an 18 and over drag show on a Sunday morning in Southern Pines, North Carolina. A drag show about which other Christians there around Southern Pines, the leaders of Southern Pines Christian School and Calvary Christian School there, published in a letter, the LGBTQ forces are coming to Southern Pines and they are after our children. This is their target audience to peddle their abomination. So the abominators are after their children. I mean, how exactly? They're going to break into their quiet Christian home overnight and naughtily replace their kid's elf on a shelf with what? A gay on a bidet? And my friends and loved ones who are still Christian, just breathe. Be calm. I know this is not you. I trust that it's not you. But you know what I've done for most of the last nearly 30 years of my life, right? I've been a pastor. I've worked in churches, in the Christian industrial complex. And it's sad to say these people are real. Not drag queens. Well, they're real too. But these kinds of angry, deranged Christians are real. They are intensely vocal. They get amplified by traditional forms of news media and by social media, just like people like Ye, Kanye, and Nick Fuentes get amplified not only by news and social media, but by politicians too. These people are real. And they're not just in extremist, right-wing, conservative evangelical churches. I sort of wish they were. But they're not. They infiltrate and hide also in churches that are working really hard to be places of radical welcome and radical inclusion, but always have to fight against this element bubbling under the surface who refuse to leave. They're real. And they are the ones coming for your children, not drag queens. I haven't noticed any drag queen Sunday school classes anywhere, although that would be really cool. Let's mark that down for future consideration. These angry, deranged Christians are real, and they may not be why people are leaving churches in droves, although they surely have something to do with it, but they are why younger generations don't have to leave churches in droves because they've seen this stuff long enough in their lives They've never shown up in churches to begin with. And as much as this makes me sound like Don Quixote tilting at windmills, I still think that that's too bad because now, as much or more than ever, we need places, embodied places, communities of radical inclusion, radical welcome, radical hospitality, radical love. Do you know why there are drag shows in part? Yeah, me neither. Although I think I can take a guess. I think it might be because they, the drag shows, are 
the embodied places, the communities of radical inclusion, radical welcome, radical hospitality, radical love that LGBTQIA plus people couldn't find anywhere else because of the Emily Grace Rainies of the world who have worked to marginalize and exclude and hate them for so long. In the eighth chapter of the New Testament book of the Acts of the Apostles and the Christian New Testament of the Bible, wow, that's a mouthful to say. In the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, there's a story about an apostle named Philip. He's running down the road and he bumps into a human in a chariot. And this human is an official of the court of the Ethiopian queen, the Candace. And I said that right. It's the Candace. And this human is a eunuch. I read one theory years ago that the way the Candaces kept their males in their courts in check were to insist that they be castrated, hence eunuchs in the court of the Candace of Ethiopia. Callie Cawthorn Friels is a pastor, and they're the author of the book Reclamation, A Queer Pastor's Guide to Finding Spiritual Growth and the Passages Used to Harm Us. Callie has a wonderful understanding of this story of this eunuch who meets Philip the Apostle. The eunuch is a eunuch, a victim of sexual mutilation as a condition to serve the Candace, castrated. The eunuch, Callie calls this particular eunuch Sam, the eunuch Sam had traveled to Jerusalem to worship, to worship. And Callie says that one simple fact is the key to everything, that the eunuch showed up to worship. Callie points out that a eunuch would not have been allowed inside the temple grounds to worship and would have been forced to stay in the outer gardens. They wouldn't have been allowed into the places closer to the altar because they're eunuchs and they were rejected. But they loved God enough and knew God loved them enough to travel all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship at the temple anyway. So now Sam the eunuch is returning home from what was probably, as Cowley describes in their book, a hard, emotionally challenging trip to Jerusalem when they stop to read the part of a passage from the book of Isaiah. And this is all recounted in Acts chapter 8. This is when Sam the eunuch and Philip the apostle meet and begin a conversation about Jesus. Sam had been reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Callie points out that it's not more than a turn of a few scroll pages from Isaiah chapter 53 to Isaiah 56, three quick chapters. And when you go from Isaiah chapter 53 to Isaiah chapter 56, check out what's included in Isaiah chapter 56, beginning at verse 3. It says this, Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Irony intended. In other words, the eunuchs don't get rejected and relegated to the outer gardens. The eunuchs are welcomed in to God's house, within God's walls. 
a monument and a name for them better than sons and daughters. Wow. And this, loved ones, this is God's divine love expressed directly to and specifically for Sam the eunuch and all eunuchs who by the time of Jesus, who had been labeled by God's people, the ones who should know this Isaiah passage backward and forward, but had labeled and relegated these eunuchs as unclean, unholy, unworthy, evil, people who should be excluded from God's house because they were different. And it's right here, says Callie, that Sam the eunuch, filled with joy to read the Holy Scripture that tells them that God's love and God's justice and God's welcome and God's honor is even and most especially for the likes of them. This is when Sam the eunuch decides, I want to be part of this. Hey, Philip, what's to keep me from being baptized like right now? And God bless Philip, who manages somehow to whisper through his choked back tears, Sam, there is not one little thing, not one thing to keep you from being baptized, my friend. This is what Christians are supposed to understand about Jesus Christ. This is what we're supposed to understand about the stories of our very own sacred writings, as well as the sacred writings we borrowed from our Jewish sisters and brothers. It's this love, this welcome, this radical inclusion that we're supposed to not only understand, but we're supposed to practice, embody, with every last beat of our hearts, every last drop of blood, every last teardrop, every last drop of sweat, every last breath. Not that other crap spewed by Emily Grace Rainey and the loud, over-amplified Christians like her who are good at only one thing, convincing a world that has hit the eject button on Christianity or at least has hit the eject button on church that they might actually be right. So as I wrap up, first to Emily Grace Rainey. Emily, that is a powerful middle name you have there. Grace. I really, truly hope that you can manage in some way to go and learn what that name, that word grace actually means, and someday perhaps to do that name proud. But in the meantime, to her and to the too many who think and behave just like her, stop it. Stop it. S-T-O-P, new word I-T. Stop it. Stay in touch. Bruce at brucecole.tv. And remember, you are loved. <laughs>